Hi guys, Kevin here, just to remind you that the news stories that I bring to this podcast today are more of my favorite and kind of more interesting pieces that I kind of look forward to investigating rather than the most pertinent, important, and major piece of news uh, in the world right now. I know that there's been some news about Trump and some other U.S. primary news regarding the Democratic uh, candidate who will be running against Donald Trump uh, in the 2020 election. Uh, we have Trump's impeachments that's been in there and how the uh, the Senate is dealing with that and if they want to bring witnesses forward. Uh, but we're not going to be including those into our news today. Uh, I, I'm more interested with some other news that's around the world. And so... Um, we're going to deep dive into some of that. So uh, just hang on. We are getting on to this Monday episode, and we're going to start ourselves off by uh, hearing some news about the coronavirus. That's right. <laughs> My podcast is slowly becoming an update for the coronavirus. Uh, we're going to see how it's affecting other countries still and um, what is being done in China right now. Uh, we're going to talk about Swedish Swedish teenager Greta Thunberg. Um and some of her climate work and uh, what that has resulted to. And we are going to talk about Turkey and Syria, how things are heating up upon that border front in that area. But as always, I'm Kevin, and I would like to introduce you back to listening to... A Mention with Kevin. Welcome to episode 24. We are hitting you guys up now in February. This is February 3rd, 2020. All right, let's dive in right away into our first story, which is the coronavirus happening in China. So China sent medical workers and equipment to a newly built hospital that they were talking about, infused cash into some financial markets, and further restricted people's movement in sweeping new steps today to contain a rapidly spreading virus and its escalating impact. China's updated figures of the 361 deaths and 2,829 uh, new cases over the last 24 hours, bringing the Chinese total to 17 1,205 cases come as other countries continue to evacuating citizens from hardest hit Hubei province and restricted travel by Chinese or people who recently traveled the country. The World Health Organization said the number of cases will continue to grow because tests are pending on thousands of suspected of cases. Reopening of schools was also delayed to keep the virus from spreading further in Hubei where the 1,000-bed uh, hospital in the provincial capital, Wuhan, was completed in just 10 days. A second hospital with 1,500 beds will be open within a couple um, additional days. Restrictions were tightened still further in one city by allowing only one family member to venture out to buy supplies every other day. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're starting to put curfew on people and um, kind of prevent the spread by human-to-human -human interaction. 
Medical teams from the People's Liberated Liberations Army were arriving in Wuhan to relieve overwhelming health workers and to work at the new hospitals, located in the countryside far from the city center. Its prefabricated wards, where patients begin arriving by late morning, are equipped with state-of-the-art medical equipment and ventilation systems. Leading Chinese epidemiologist Zhang Nanshan said additional hospital space was crucial to stopping the spread of the new infection. The lack of hospital rooms forced sick people to return home, which is extremely dangerous. So having additional beds available is a great improvement, Zhang told uh, state broadcaster CCTV. Zhang uh, played a major role in overcoming China's 2002-2003 outbreak of SARS, a coronary virus from the same family as the current pathogen. In a sign of the economic toll of the outbreak, China's Shanghai Composite Index plunged 8.7% when it reopened today following the Lunar New Year holiday. It it steadied later on the central bank's moves to inject cash. We are fully confident in and capable of minimizing the epidemic's impact on the economy, Liang Weiliang, Deputy Chef, uh, Chief of the National Development and Reform Commission said at a news conference in Beijing. Canada's public health says that there are four, have been four confirmed coronavirus cases here, three in Ontario and one in British Columbia. The overall risk to Canadians from the disease, disease is low, the Public Agency of Canada said. The first two confirmed cases reported in Toronto after a couple returned from a trip to China that officials said included travel to the Wuhan area. One patient was treated in hospital and, the, and then released. The other was in self-isolation in their home. The next case was confirmed in British Columbia, and the most recent case was in London, Ontario. Both of these patients had traveled to Wuhan area in China. Carrie Lam announced today that Hong Kong will shut down most of all land and sea border control points to maintain from, uh, mainland from midnight to stem the, the spread of the disease. She said only two border checkpoints at Shenzhen, Shenzhen Bay and the bridge of Macau and Zhuhai will remain open. Lam denied that the move was due to the pressure from medical workers. Some hospital workers went on strike today and more threatened to walk out on Tuesday unless the government agrees to talk. Hong Kong has recorded 15 cases of the virus and has cut flights and train and bus connections to the mainland. But a push is growing for it to close the border completely. Strike organizers say about 6,000 medical staff were prepared to participate. Hong Kong has severely was severely impacted by the SARS outbreak, which many believe was intensified by official Chinese sec, uh, secrecy and obscuration. Um, uh, yeah, so it's just, it wasn't reported. South Korea, which has 15 confirmed cases, has quarantined 800 soldiers who had recently visited China, Hong Kong, or Macau, or had contact with people who had Defense Minister Spokesman Cho Yun-so said, Military service is required of all young South Korean men to guard against the threat from the Communist North. In Beijing, officials sought to reassure the country's 1.4 billion people of adequate supplies of face masks and disinfected despite reported shortages in parts of the country. 
the Philippines banned the entry of all non-citizens from China after two cases were confirmed there, including the death, the only death, sorry, outside of China. The U.S., Japan, Singapore, Indonesia, New Zealand, and Australia have imposed similar restrictions, despite criticism from China and World Health Organization's guidance that such measures were unnecessary. About 150 cases have been reported in two dozen other countries. The Philippine Health Department said 44-year-old Chinese man from Wuhan died from the virus and his companion remained hospitalized. Vietnam's confirmed cases increased to eight, including a Vietnamese-American who had a two-hour layover in Wuhan on his way from the U.S. to Ho Chi Minh City. The U.S. total rose to 11, mostly involving recent travel to Wuhan. The U.S. said Sunday that Americans who travel in China within the last 14 days would be routed to designated airports for enhanced health screenings and most non-Americans who recently were in China would be de denied entry. Amid accusations of slow official response to the outbreak, six officials in the city of Huangyang, next to Wuhan in Hubei province, were fired over poor performance in handling the outbreak, the official Xinhuang news agency reported. It cited the mayor as saying the city's capabilities to treat the patients were made inadequate and there is a severe shortage in medical supplies such as protective suits and medical masks. The trading and manufacturing center in Wenzhou with nearly 10 million people in coastal Zhangyang uh, province confined people to their homes, allowing only one family member to venture out every other day to buy necessary supplies. Huang Yang, home to 7 million people, imposed similar measures on Saturday. With no end in sight to the outbreak, authorities in Hubei and elsewhere extended the Lunar New Year holiday break due to, the, due to end this week, well into February to try to keep people at home and reduce the spread of the virus. All Hubei uh, schools are postponed uh, the start of the new semester until further notice. With more countries imposing restrictions, travelers from China and reports of discrimination against Chinese abroad, the country's diplomats are speaking out. Chinese ambassador in Sri Lanka, Sheng Huangyang, expressed worries over Chinese people being turned away by restaurants and taxis in the Indian Ocean Island nation. We understand the concern of the Sri Lankan public, but we have at the same time hoped that they would feel China's responsible attitude and see the forceful and effective measures taken by China, Sheng said. The crisis is the latest to confront Chinese leader Xi Jinping, who has been beset by months of anti-government protests in Hong Kong, the re-election of Taiwan's pro-independence president, and criticism over human rights violations in the traditional Muslim territory of uh, Xinjiang. Meanwhile, the domestic economy continues to slow, weighed down by slowing demand and the trade war with Washington. So as you can tell, a lot has unfolded here. Um, I had some banter with some of my coworkers at lunchtime today. We were talking about the media's reporting on this virus and kind of seeing the numbers here a little bit more and seeing how things are being controlled. It does seem that in a way, 
things are being improved. The World Health Organization is putting more regulations. People are recording cases that are coming up much faster. And there is a real urgency to everything. I think as well, there's a little bit of misinformation. Um, from, what we, from what we've heard about Canada, specifically because I live here in Toronto, um, it's been reported that four cases have uh, been uh, identified within the country, two within Toronto, one in London, and one in British Columbia. But what is not reported, which I think I heard from some other news sources and some of my some of the coworkers that I was speaking with were saying, two of those cases in Toronto have uh, they've gone into hospital in, uh, care units, they've been uh, monitored, and they've been released by the hospital, saying that they're no longer uh, contagious with the disease. Um, so I think the media is trying to overplay this a little bit, a little bit more than it is. I'm sure that it's a lot more serious in China and those other parts where it's much more dense in population and they're still trying to control it. But in areas like Canada, um, even possibly the United States, uh, France, we're seeing a lot of xenophobia and we're seeing a lot of fear mongering just based on the fact uh, of how the media is portraying this disease. And so I kind of implore you, if you're listening to this, have a look at what uh, the cases in your country are like. Um, if, if it seems like it's pretty contained and that your government is doing a good job at ensuring that the public is safe from this disease, I think you really don't have that much to worry about. I think it's blown out of proportion. And I think you can kind of uh, calm yourself a little bit from putting too much anxiety about the degree of how severe this disease is. Of course, it is very serious once you've caught it and, and of course, try not to spread it any further. But I think it's important if we're not seeing it right now to not create these ideas in our head that we need to be xenophobic or racist towards Asian people because uh, they might be coming from China and carrying the disease. I think that's wrong in every regard. It's very ignorant to do that. Um, so uh, anyway, that was just my take on, on, on things right now. Uh, let me know what you guys think. You can tweet at me. Remember, at my hashtag, at Kevin underscore Hobie. Let's get into our second piece of news. Two lawmakers in Sweden have nominated Swedish teenage climate activist sensation, no, I just added sensation, Greta Thunberg for the 2020 Nobel Peace Prize. Jans Holm and Hakan Svenelin, who are both members of Sweden's left party, said today that Thunberg has worked hard to make politicians open their eyes to the climate crisis and action for reducing our emissions and complying with the Paris Agreement is therefore also an act of making peace. The 2015 landmark Paris climate deal ask both rich and poor countries to take action and curb the rise in global temperatures that is melting glaciers, raising sea levels, and shifting rainfall patterns. It requires governments to present national plans to reduce emissions and to limit global temperature rise to well below 2 degrees Celsius. Or if you're in that crazy um, Fahrenheit, it's 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit if you're using that crazy system. Anyway, um, Thunberg, 17 years old, has encouraged students to skip school to join protests 
demanding faster action on climate change, a movement that has spread beyond Sweden to other European nations and around the world. She founded the Fridays for a Future movement that has inspired similar actions by other young people. Essentially, this movement, I've looked into it, actually. I was very interested about what type of movement it was. It encourages students to take uh, a Friday of each month and protest in front of their parliament or their government building, asking that legislation be written or actions be taken by the country to prevent climate change. And so it's very interesting that she started this kind of this movement for Fridays for the Future. Any national lawmaker can nominate somebody for the Nobel Peace Prize, and three members of the Norwegian Parliament nominated Thunberg last year. In 2019, she was among four members named as the winners of a Right Livelihood Award, also known as the Alternative Nobel, and she was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. The Norwegian Nobel Committee doesn't publicly comment on nomination, which is for 2020, had been submitted by February 1st. So it's interesting to see this. I think she has had quite an impact in the media, within pop culture. Um, having her name out there as being an activist and a warrior for climate change and uh, trying to ensure governments be more conscious of their carbon emissions and become more sustainable. So uh, it's very encouraging news to see that she's been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Hopefully this just encourages her to kind of spread her message and she can use this as a better platform to kind of speak to government heads more directly. I think she should really be given um, some more time to speak on these matters. Obviously I've talked about Greta in the past in terms of sometimes she's a little too radical and sometimes countries need a little bit more than uh, a radical turn now and and just jump onto green resources. But I think the governments should give kind of like a timeline, like maybe six months, six months to a year, where companies have to start shifting towards um, or have a game plan to shift towards using sustainable uh, resources and then start taxing them if, very heavily if they're, if they're still using fossil fuels and emissions like that. But uh, with that said, I, I'm just encouraged to see this and I'm, I'm rooting for you. Greta, that you get the Nobel Peace Prize for 2020. All right, for our third piece of news, President Recep, Recep yeah, Tayyip Erdogan said today, Turkey will continue to retaliate after Syrian government shelling killed four of its troops and wounded nine in Syria's northwest Idlib region, where Turkish forces have bulked up in recent days. Erdogan said, Initial indications showed 30 to 35 Syrians were neutralized in Turkey's response to what the government called intense shelling of its soldiers. He said Turkey has told Russia counterparts they need to stand aside in escalating conflict. Syrian President Bashar al-Assad, Assad's forces, backed by Russian air power, have recently made advances in Idlib, prompting Turkey to warn it may launch a military operation there unless the fighting is halted. We have responded in kind to these attacks and will continue to do so whether it is with our artillery or our mortars, Erd Erdogan told reporters in Istanbul. We are determined to continue our operations for the security of our country, people, and our brothers in Idlib, he said. Those who question our determination will soon understand 
they made a mistake. A Turkish security official uh, told reporters that the shelling which killed the soldiers occurred in the area of Sarakeb town, 15 kilometers to the east of Idlib city. Following the developments in Idlib in recent weeks, serious support was provided over the weekend to the troops, equipment, and vehicles in the regions, the official said. The Idlib region is the last major rebel-held stronghold in Syria's nine-year-old war, and Erdogan, sorry for the pronunciation, accuses Russian of, viola- of Russia violating agreements to reduce the fighting in the region a charge which Moscow Moscow has denied Friday. Turkey, which already hosts 3.6 million refugees from Syria, fears a fresh wave of migrants from Idlib. It has 12 military observation posts around the region, set up under a 2017 agreement with Russia and Iran. Several of them have since been surrounded by advancing Syrian government forces. A spokesman person for Erdogan's AK party said Turkey will view Syrian government forces around the observation posts in the regions as targets. The Syrian Observatory, a UK-based war monitor, said about 320 Turkish trucks and military vehicles enter Idlib at Kufr Lusen crossing on Sunday, which is much more than usual, and went south. Turkey's defense minister said Syria shelling was carried out against its reinforcements, which were meant to prevent clashes in Idlib, despite prior coordination of their positions. Erdogan said if talks between diplomats and generals fail to get results, he will contact Russian President Vladimir Putin directly to try to resolve the situation. We told especially Russian counterparts that they are not our counterparts here, that is, the Syrian regime directly, and that they need to stand aside. Erdogan said, This is not okay. We are given, giving martyrs here, but our armed forces and our artillery are keeping them under fire. He added, 516s are involved in Turkey's operation against 40 points in Idlib. The Russian defense minister said the Turkish units came under fire from Syrian government forces after moving without notifying Russia. Though, Turkey said it had coordinated its military movements with Moscow. Though Erdogan said fighter jets were involved in Turkey's response, the Russian defense minister said Turkish planes had not violated Syria's border and no airstrike on Syrian troops has been recorded. So just some more news, I guess, in terms of what is going on in the Middle East uh, with Turkey and Syria. Again, it's 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 very confusing of who's in the right and who's in the wrong, and everybody has their own interest here. Um, Turkey with uh, territory that it wants to claim, Russia with influence within the region, Syria trying to take back its uh, country as it's had civil war for such a long time. Um, besides what I've reported, I, I really have no other opinion to give, and I'm just going to leave it there for now. If you guys want to tweet me, um, send out an opinion or uh, send a comment on this podcast. Let me know what you think about what is going on in Syria. All right. And for our final, not a piece of news, but I guess our final little activity of the night, we are going to do another one of Kevin's Corners here on A Mention with Kevin. So uh, we're going into our advice columnists 
we are checking up with some of our listeners and we have a post here from a listener says, I'm scared about the world ending. And then it put in brackets, climate change. So let's read what this viewer has to say. So ever since it came out that we have so many months to fix what us humans have done to the planet before it was too late, I've been a nervous wreck tr with trying to be sustainable. Growing up, I've always been an overreactor and overthinker, but I'm not. I'm only thinking about what is going to happen. I'm scared to die so young. I'm scared for the fact that I could be the solely responsible for the destruction of the planet Earth. I try so hard to to use plastic and throw things away as little as possible, but it's so difficult. I need some reassurance or some advice regarding what I can do to help. Please let me know what I should do. And any advice is appreciated. Well, viewer, this is a very, uh, you kind of have a negative perspective on this. Um, and it is very difficult to kind of get caught up in all the news that we see online of deadlines that we need to make for uh, environmental uh, goals so that our climate does not raise too many degrees that it is uh, at that point um, unfixable. Um, so with that, I'd like to say, friend, I think you have to change your perspective a little bit and try to be more hopeful, try to have a more optimistic viewpoint. And this could be a hard thing because there's so many discouraging things out there, but look at the encouraging work that's going on out there. Like I've already mentioned, Greta, what she's doing, the movement that she has. Um, I think it's really important to look at what are some big things that can be done to improve sustainability within your country. Now, I've been looking into like what my footprint is and purchasing my own stuff as, as I am very conscious of what I buy and I want to be mindful for the environment. Um, but what I've looked at is I've seen that it's not only my fault we, we can only do so much, and I'm trying to be more sustainable by using less uh, thrift store shopping for clothes and things like that, using less products with plastics in them, um, getting uh, reusable bags for groceries and holding different things as well. Uh, but there's only so much that I can do and that the industry and the government should be impacting more of. Um, so what we've talked about with Greta for these uh, fr uh, Fridays for the future, I think they're an amazing idea. And I've even thought about going and participating in one of these events, um, taking a day off and going to my parliament building and striking with some of these kids, even though I'm not a kid. Um, I think it's so important. And I, I, I see such a passion from these children to save the future generations and really change society for the better. Um I think that we have to pressure industry, corporations, and the government into changing something. Part of it is, as consumers, we have to pressure industries to stop using plastic packaging for things like, I'm thinking about like peppers or um, even some bags of apples or other fruits and vegetables that really don't need that sort of packaging. And I've even thought of, well, could they not change the type of packaging or um, mode of carrying those things by by replacing it with something that's biodegradable like a, a paper bag um, or even possibly hemp rope something like that that can be biodegradable and that they, we could just cut up and throw in the bio bin um, so i think we have to put more pressure on an industry to kind of change and adapt to this new world um, 
I think it's good that you're convicted of your own use. And I think to see how much you use um, is very important and how you can improve on that. If that means being a minimalist or if that means switching something that you do in your daily life, like uh, buying bars of soap instead of buying plastic bottles or, or changing something like that, uh, using cold water or uh, what I like to do, I've just gotten used to this because I actually find this is better for your clothes just to do your uh, your wash with cold water and then hang drying it within my house. I have a little rack here and I hang dry and I find it preserves the quality of my clothes and I'm not wasting electricity um, within my dryer. So that things like that are, are, I think, some great ways that we can continue to look at our own habits and we can continue to challenge the institutes that are out there that we need to challenge. Because I think it we've left industry and government too long without looking at them and saying, hey, you really need to look at this as well like we are and make a big change. And that could also mean supporting industries that you really like that are sustainable. Um, I'm trying to think of a really good one right now that I support uh, in terms of like consuming stuff. I really can't think of one that is like off the top of my head that that, that, that would be really good. Um, but if, if I think of it, if I uh, remember it, I'll, I'll add it down in the, my description down below of this podcast and you can try it out. I think it's really important to, to band together with your friends and, and plan strategies of how you can do things like have events where you cook for each other or you, um, you go out together, but how you could be um, saving the environment at the same time. I think that is so important and that you try your best. That's, that's what you know, that you tried your best and that you, you are being mindful of these things, that you're not just being ignorant and just trying to get the cheapest thing. So um, best of luck to you. And I hope that this will slightly challenge you and hopefully make you a little bit more optimistic for the future, especially with that Nobel Prize right in Creta's face. Anyway, guys, I just wanted to thank you so much for tuning in on this Monday's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you have any questions, just at me at Kevin underscore Hobie. You could check my YouTube channel at Kevin Hobie at YouTube.com. And with that, I am going to leave you guys. So don't forget to brush your teeth and floss. And I will see you guys on the next one. Bye.